Man, well, it's really, really good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you made it. If your resolution was to be here two Sundays in a row and you came last week, you made it. You did it. Good job. I'm proud of all of you. It's it's interesting because you can go through like seasons and rhythms in life where being at church is still by itself almost like an act of faith. So for some of you, you may be in that position. Uh, for me, it's like the best way for our family to say engage spiritually. And obviously I work here, so it'd be kind of an obligation for me to be here on a Sunday, but I really do love it. This, what we just did is so filling for my soul. And it's interesting because we're starting this series, really, we started last week and we're continuing it called Pursued, this, this journey through the entire story of scripture and looking at the ways that over and over again, God has pursued his people uh, sometimes in very dark moments, sometimes in great moments, sometimes in moments where they had forgotten him, and sometimes in moments where they were keenly aware of how he was at work. And I was struck even last week by just truth. It was the truth of the fact that God has created us. He has a plan for our lives. But have you, maybe when it comes spiritually, maybe just in life in general, have you ever believed a lie before? Just quick show of hands. Any of you ever fallen victim to a lie? Okay, like pretty much all of us, someone has lied to us or told us something was true and it actually turned out to not be true. Uh, sometimes you have leaders in your life who end up lying or sometimes you have uh, people who you respected find out that they were lying about something or lying about some like a part of their life. And it's interesting because you look at humanity as we look at the fact that we were created by God, there is a lie that typically, there's really two or three lies that typically we buy into when it comes to the area of our bodies. And we're going there today, okay? And you're, and you're like, oh shoot, I didn't want to talk about that at the beginning of January, but here we are. Like uh, for, for some of us, there is a lie out there that there is a standard that your body does not meet. There's something that you're incapable of meeting uh, there's a lie of really, when you go to the Meyer checkout line, there's a lie of the perfect body out there. And you're looking at that and you're like, well, here I am buying my Cheetos and Dr. Pepper. I guess I'm not on track to get to that place. Like when it comes to our bodies, there's an incredible amount of comparison and shame, but also desire and motivation that some of us have when it comes to how we look. I, I stumbled across this really interesting survey uh, the survey group Ipsos did this a few years ago. Then they, they surveyed people about the perfect body. Like if you could get the perfect body, what would you do? Here, 33% of people said they would stop drinking. They would stop eating fried foods, which is basically all of fast food. And they would stop any social media consumption. Like they'd get rid of their Facebook, their Twitter, Instagram. They'd get rid of everything over if they could have the perfect body overnight. They would just give it all of those things up. And those are not like light things. I mean, those are like culture defining, like social media, fast food, alcohol. Like they said, I'd give all of those up if I could have the perfect body, which leads me into, as you study the story of scripture and even just look at our world and ourselves, there are two lies that we tend to believe and, and, and they can be devastating if we believe them about our physical bodies. When it comes to the question of how were we created, how were we designed, there are lies that keep us from that perfect design uh, the first lie is this, that my body is a sexual temple. And the second lie is my body isn't a temple. Let me say this one more time. This, the first lie that we tend to get tripped up on and believe, doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, that my body is a sexual temple, like it's a tool for sex. And the second is my body isn't a temple. 
Like my body doesn't really matter. I, who cares how I look? Who cares how much I weigh? Who cares what I put into it? It's going to pass away eventually. So why, why care? And both of those can be devastating to our spiritual lives. Both of those can be devastating to your daily life. Like when you get out of the shower and you stare in the mirror, like those lies can face you head on and and like it or not, they tend to actually derail us from following Jesus in this area because there is so much shame and so much comparison. But let me take you to the truth. Let me take you to the truth right now. Very beginning in, in light of those lies, listen to how the scripture story starts and talks about you and I. Genesis 1, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to get there. Genesis 1, verse 26. Here's what the the creation account, God created a bunch of different things, and then he gets to verse 26. Then God said, then God said, let us make mankind, he's talking about you and me, in our image. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So catch this verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. The most important thing you and I can gather from maybe the entire book of Genesis is the reality that you and I were created by God. We're not self-made. We're not independent. We, we really aren't self-reliant when it comes down to like the difficult parts of, of life. We really were created by God. And, and scripture over and over again talks about, and you can read the whole Testament. It's like God over and over sustaining his people. He's carrying them through New Testament. Colossians 1, Jesus holds all things together. It's in him that we move and have our being. It's like over and over again, scripture's trying to remind us that we are not our own, that our bodies do matter in light of that truth. And as we're talking about pursued week two, like kind of moving this conversation forward, we're asking again the question, how do we get here? How were we designed? Some of you are familiar with that term that that was used in Genesis 1, the image of God. And if you're a Latin nerd, not like I am, but I stumbled across it over Google, uh, imago Dei would be the word that theologians and biblical scholars use talking about the passage we just read. It's kind of this all-encompassing view. It's all-encompassing framework for how to view humanity. But the image of God was not something native to Christian people and people that were following Yahweh in the Old Testament. The image of God was actually a reference to idols of the day. Like pagan cultures around them would have viewed idols as images of their God and their God would be the emperor. Their God would be the king, the military force at the time. And so they would construct these images of God. They thought these leaders were divine. They thought that they were uniquely God, that they had some supernatural power. And so they'd put their face. It's like a bad Photoshop job. Like they put their face on a bird or put their face on a cheetah or something to represent like the power of this specific God, and they would refer to those idols as images of God. But Yahweh was different. The creator God who Israel followed uh, through the wilderness, who rescued them from Egypt, who carried them on to a new life, and eventually gave them the Messiah, Jesus, that we celebrated at Christmas. He didn't have any idols. He he didn't have any human-made images. Why is this? Well, biblical scholar Tim Mackey says God didn't need idols because he put his image on you. 
He put his image on every single one of us. He, he didn't need idols to, to show off his power and show off his glory and show off the beauty of who he was. He, he put his imprint on us is what Genesis 1 says. He has given us divine dignity and an and, and image that, he, that we carry in this world. As you go through the Old Testament and you track through the New Testament, the way the scripture writers refer to this is that you and I, our bodies are not just physical shells. They're actually temples, places of worship, places of God's glory. I mean, that's kind of the fundamental truth of Genesis 1 is that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a temple of God's presence. It's not just a sexual object and it's not not a temple. It actually houses the glory of God just as you are, which means that we are stewards of our bodies, not owners which means that we steward this gift God has given us in a physical body, but we don't own it. We don't get to control it. We don't say like, I'm doing this because I get to control it. It's, it's if you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, that means he gets to tell you how to, how to interact with your body, which for us can be very, very uncomfortable because our world and those who don't yet know Jesus and have this kind of life-giving relationship with God, they, we see bodies differently. Like how we see our bodies and how I see my body as a follower of Christ should be, and really is, if you get down to Genesis one, radically different than how other people treat their bodies. Let's break this down into three really uncomfortable conversations. How about we do that? Okay. So the first one would be in the, in the arena of sexuality, right? When it comes to having a, an ethic for how we treat our bodies with sexuality, I mean, our world cannot see our bodies differently. Than, than how followers of Jesus see them. They're, they're not, in, in, often in culture, they can be viewed within hookup culture or apps like Tinder and stuff like that, where it really is an object. It's something I use to get intimacy, but by itself, it doesn't have value. I don't have dignity apart from having those relationships. It's really lie one. Like your, our bodies are just kind of sexual temples. The second area is in fitness, right? How many billions, if not trillions of dollars are spent every year to advertise to you and I to join the gym or to buy the bike or to, to get new running shoes or whatever it is. And you feel the every single year, like as we get closer and closer, who sponsors uh, like the ball drop in Times Square? It's probably not an accident. It's Planet Fitness, right? They're genius marketers because they know they're playing on the fact that we want our bodies to look toned and muscular and we want to be attractive. We want people to think that we have it together. Now it's interesting because uh, some of you know, like I, I left the bodybuilding life behind a long time ago, right? So don't, don't worry. Like this is, I left that, I've left that life behind for, for the record. If you're new, that is not me, but doesn't that look like me? Like, I want to look like that guy, kind of. I mean, I wouldn't mind if you mistaked him for this random guy I found on Google Images, but, but that's a temptation we all have. It's like to place our value in stuff like that, or even just look at media, TV, movies, uh, social media accounts, right? Our, our perception of how we look and our comparison to the Instagram models we follow, like, it doesn't create an image of God feeling. It creates shame. And it creates a darkness and it creates a feeling of being out of control. Guys are no different, right? You can see images, or whether it's a Tom Cruise in Top Gun or it's like someone modern. You're like looking at it like, wow, I don't, I don't quite look like that. Like I'm not quite there. And there, even with an, in us, there can be 
shame. Like some of us, the most holy thing we can do is leave this room today and unfollow about 15 different Instagram accounts that we're tracking with, right? Or, or turn off that TV channel or stop watching movies like it. Like even things like the cosmetic industry, which obviously I have no knowledge of, uh, $483 billion a year are spent in cosmetics globally. 20% of that spent in our country alone. Right? So we're talking nearly $100 billion is invested in, in this conversation, in some of these lies. They can be totally devastating. So I want to jump into them. I want to talk about them from Scripture, right? So lie one, let's just start off from the bat. Your body is solely a sexual temple. Let me ask a rhetorical question. You don't need to answer it. You can reflect on it. Was Adam a whole person made in God's image, given dignity and value in him before Eve? Second part of that question, was Jesus, single man, mid-30s when we, when we find him in the Gospels, was he a whole person made in God's image without a sexual relationship ever? I, th I think the answer from Scripture would be yes. Yes, those people are fully human. They don't have something missing because that's true. We talked about singleness a couple months ago, right? If if the only way you can become a whole person is to have someone else in your life and, and have a sexual relationship, well, then a lot of us are in trouble because a lot of us aren't there. And a lot of us, even if we are there, it's not how we thought it would be. If you kind of scroll through the scripture story, I want to take you to another passage, Leviticus 18. How many of you's life verses in Leviticus 18? Okay, I didn't think any of you. All right, so not, not me either. But in Leviticus 18, really, it's this long list basically of sexual don'ts. It's like, don't have sex with this person. Don't have sex with this person. It can be incredibly damaging. It's been used by the church in all the wrong ways, but listen at the end of Leviticus 18, God's heart for his people. I want to throw it on the screen and read it over you. It says, everyone who does any of these detestable things, right? He's, he's kind of raising the value of sexuality in our bodies. says, such persons must be cut off from their people. Yikes. Like that that's hardcore. Like if, if you do these things, you had to be cut off from the Israelite nation. He says, keep my requirements. Don't follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord, your God. Now, if you read through that list, it's things that have been accepted over time. It's things that even for the Israelite people, it was like, it was normal. It was, it was not seen as odd or different and there were even cultures around them that had similar kind of sexual ethics and codes and, and ways to view their body. And almost all of them had loopholes and ways to abuse other people, ways to take advantage of other people, ways to view others as simply sexual objects for your consumption. And what God is actually doing in Leviticus 18, even though it's kind of old and stuffy for some of us, is raising the value of the human body and raising the value of sexuality as a gift from him, as, as people who were created in his image. One of the cultures they would have been surrounded by were the Hittites. And you can't go to their kingdom anymore. It's basically crumbled and fallen. And you probably never heard, but you can go to modern day Turkey and see these Hittite temples that are kind of in pieces still. And the Hittites would have been surrounding very close in proximity to Israelite people. Well, the Hittites had like almost the exact same list as the, the list in Leviticus 18, with minor exceptions. Well, if you have a slave, you can take advantage of them. If, if you have a woman, you could take advantage of her. It's like all of these things where they were merely sexual temples themselves, and whoever had the power could change the rules. And God is saying, that's not how we operate. 
we believe that each person and their body was created by God. They have divine dignity, which leads into lie too. And I think most of us tend to believe this way too often. Like our body isn't a temple. It's just a shell. It's just something I carry around with. It's not, it doesn't really matter what I do with it. It doesn't matter what I consume or put into it. Uh, you can hear Paul's words almost echo in lie, lie too in 1 Corinthians 6. Like that's going to be on the screen as well. I want us to actually read this out loud together. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Let's read this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Right? He is saying what Genesis 1 is, is implying, right? That we are actually divine temples of the Holy Spirit. Like the temple matters. Your body is not just a shell that you carry and hopefully you can like sustain it as long as possible. It's something to steward and to treat with value. The temple matters. How you treat your one and only body communicates something to those around you. And that's a hard pill to swallow, right? How, how we treat our bodies is communicating something to our family, to our spouse, to our closest friends, to our employers, like how, what we are consuming, how we are taking those in. And it changes, right? If you have the perspective that I was created by God and I have divine gifts and he loves me just as I am, that will then change your behaviors about your body, ironically, you think it'd be the other way around, right? You'd, if you didn't have a high view that you would try to live just for the moment and you'd invest everything in your body, but it's the opposite. The people I know who treat their bodies the best love Jesus the most and believe what we just read in Genesis 1, that they have this divine imprint on their life and, and everything else is, is overselling and under-delivering on them. Like th this is what we believe as Jesus' people some of you remember, and you probably watched, like The Biggest Loser. It was like a huge show at the time, right? And it was a, a really interesting cultural phenomenon that was taking place. Like you'd have these people who knew that they wanted to lose like a considerable amount of weight. They'd go on the show, they get hooked up with a trainer, they're on diets, they're, they're in community. Like it seems to work. Like some of them shed hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It's like an amazing transformation. Well, the New York Times later would study this show and did an article on it and found that almost every contestant, when they left the compound, the community, they ended up gaining all the weight back. Some of them gained more weight than what they had when they began the journey. Why is that? Because they're doing all the right things, right? You would think that they're the diet and the exercise and the training and the encouragement and the TV accountability would like spur you on to some real change. You know why I think that is? Because at the, at the core, the conversation around our bodies is a spiritual conversation. It has to do with where did you come from? Who created you? Like if you're self-made, well, then you can convince yourself it's not really worth still working out. It's not really worth putting in good things to my body. It doesn't matter how I use it in a relationship. It just kind of is what it is. But if you follow Jesus, if you believe what we just read in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we don't believe it's just that. We believe it is a temple that your body, your body, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And to be honest, it's really easy 
to, to face this conversation and just feel, again, immense amounts of shame and immense amounts of feeling like I don't do this well and immense amounts of comparison. Like when you walk in a room, the first thing you do is kind of eye the people around you. How do I look compared to that person? How do I look compared to this leader or this uh, mentor in my life or this person I look up to? That, that's just human nature. It's what we do. And again, I think if Jesus was in the room and, and his spirit was just speaking directly to you, you just say, just remember, you were created by me and you are a temple of my Holy Spirit. That when all the other things fall away, the most important thing is, do you know the truth about your body? And that's not to say that overnight you'll be free from shame or overnight that you'd say, I don't need to go to the gym anymore. John said, my body's a temple, so I should just go to church more. <laughs> like that's, that's probably not going to be very helpful to you. And for most of us, it may be the right step to actually exercise and set some goals and to, to get after it this year. Like I'm, I'm on board of, with that with you, because honestly, I look at my own life and I'd say, you know what? I struggle with this too. I struggle with this. Like sometimes I, I walk in a room, the first thing I look at is, is how do I look compared to the people around me? What am I wearing compared to the other people around me? Like, does he look more muscular than me? Does he look more toned than me? It's like, and at first it's kind of funny. It's like, why would you do that? Like, aren't you a pastor? Shouldn't you know the truth? And I'm just saying, like, I, I have those same lies I can just slip back into if I do not keep this truth before me. I was created by God, and I'm a temple of his Holy Spirit. His presence is at work in me and wants me to be a blessing to those around me. Like I, just as well as you can easily trade a run for a YouTube marathon, right? Like I'm, e I'm good at that. I could just cruise. Like, I don't know what the mile time is, but I can like flick through a YouTube TV marathon or a series on Netflix better than probably any of you can. And I struggle with that. It's almost for me a daily discipline to say, if I really believe what I just preached, if tomorrow morning I say, you know what? I really believe what Genesis one says, it will change the patterns and behaviors and the food and the exercise and the self-talk in which I, bring, which I bring to this conversation about the body. Can I tell you the most beautiful thing about all of scripture is that over and over again, it refers to our bodies again as image-bearing vessels, image-bearing temples of the Holy Spirit. One of the most powerful passages for me in all of scripture is about a body. It's Isaiah 53, and we read this almost every Good Friday. It's this, this passage where the, the prophet Isaiah is walking through. He is literally foretelling and prophesying about when the Messiah comes, and when he, he comes in power, something will happen. He will actually be whipped and bruised and treated poorly and eventually die clinging to this tree. And he's talking about Jesus. He's referring to Jesus who took on a body, right? We just celebrated that at Christmas. God put diapers on. God, God put skin and bones on, John 1.14 says. Like, he moved in with us. He took on a body. It wasn't a requirement, but there was something significant about Jesus, God himself, putting on flesh like one of us to show us a better way. The beauty of Scripture for me when it comes to this is that Jesus' body was broken, so our bodies could be made whole. Jesus's body was broken. He, he laid everything down, sacrificed it all, so that when it comes to this specific 
conversation, not just a spiritual, am I right with God conversation, but in the everyday, when I get out of the car, when I step on the scale, when I walk into the gym, when I go to the refrigerator, when I stare at myself in the mirror, I can say, you know what? Jesus's body was broken so I could be made whole. I am an image bearer of the risen Lord. I, I'm, I'm marked by the divine. I was created on purpose with a purpose. I, I am beautiful in the eyes of my father. And yes, that changes how we interact. Yes, that changes the conversation. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're the fittest person in a room. This is just as true for you as it is someone who is way behind how you look and it has lots of pounds they want to lose and has lots of shame and lots of comparison. It's true for all of us. It's true for me today. It's true for you today. And when it comes to how we, were, how we were created, how did we get here? How were we designed? I just think God is leading us to remember this. It's something that we feel embarrassed and don't talk about, but it's right here. It's right in the scriptures over and over again that God himself stepped into our world, broke his own body so yours could be made new and made whole. Some of us, the most spiritual thing we can do today, and I don't know the specifics, right? If we sat down, I was like, here's your specific application it would get really weird and I, I wouldn't know how to give it to you because it's really gonna be different for every single one of us. But I believe that God is already maybe at work in this conversation in your life. Already maybe trying to free you from the bondage of shame. Already maybe trying to give you that holy motivation and discipline to really change some negative habits that are destroying your temple. Really trying to let you have an encounter with Jesus who breaks the chains of addiction, of overeating, of alcoholism, of, self, of self-harm, whatever it is. And so I just wanna kind of boldly ask you today, well, today, January 9th, 2022, you just say, you know what? In, in light of this truth, I'm going to surrender my body. I'm just gonna give it over. And you say, God, whatever that means for you, I'm just gonna spiritually say, I'm gonna surrender my body to you because friends, that's where change happens. That's when real transformation happens. That's when we differentiate between the biggest loser attempts and real change, real lasting transformation. Maybe it is what you consume. Maybe it is shame. Maybe it is a sexual history that you're not proud of and you feel dirty and gross and undervalued. Can I just say again, you have been created with the image of God and you are a temple of his Holy Spirit. You just how you are today with, with all the imperfections and flaws. And, and I have more than I would care to count, right? But, but even for me, John, you, you're an image bearer of God and you are a temple. You are a carrier, you're a vessel of the Holy Spirit in every single room you walk into. And so I feel like the right way to do it is, is to just go before God in prayer. It's to surrender ourselves, it's to open ourselves because I can't change this in you. You probably can't even change it about yourself. We need help from the outside. And that's what the Holy Spirit is about. That's the, the change and transformation he can bring. So I would invite you just to, to, as a way to focus and maybe to close your eyes. And, and so God, we really do. We need your help in this. This is such a difficult and uncomfortable place for so many of us but we know that it may be the next step in honoring you with our lives. It may be 
the next step in surrender. It may be the next place we need to obey you. And so we want to open it to you just as we are with the flaws and imperfections, with the shame and the baggage. And we say, Jesus, you can have our bodies. And I pray you give us courage because we step into a world in, in just a few minutes that says that all our bodies are good for our, our one thing and, and all we are is, is basically how we compare to the next person. We just pray, God, would you free us from the lies? Would you remind us of the truth? Would you help us to be people who in every moment that we're aware that we were created by you and that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit? And, and when you convict and when you challenge God and you say there are things that we need to change, help us to respond well. Help us to be open to you. And I pray for the person sitting there who, who knows that, that if this conversation doesn't get right, there are years shaved off their life. I pray for them. You'd give them courage. Pray for the person today who sits there and says, you know what? I'm never going to be pretty enough. I'm never going to be beautiful enough for that person. That God, you would just remind them of that truth today. You'd free them from the comparison and shame that can come in this conversation. God, I pray for the person who today this is, isn't even on their radar. They don't ever think about it. That today you'd remind them that this is a spiritual issue and you care that you remind them today of that truth. And I pray that for me. God, would you remind me of this truth this morning and help me to live differently. Help me to respond to you knowing that you deeply care. So we surrender it to you, Jesus, knowing that you're really the only, the only foundation to build a life on. You are the only foundation to build even this conversation on. And so we just trust you. We thank you that you've created us and we, we lay it down to you. We open it to you and ask that you'd move because you haven't failed. You won't give up. You don't, you don't view us the way that even we view ourselves. You see us in such a different light. Help us today to catch a glimpse of that light this morning. We surrender it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.